0: Uh, hey guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> not too great at this. I actually forgot to record any intro for the for this episode, despite it being the first one. So, uh, I guess here we go. Uh, I am Matthew Zlufka, and this is a podcast called Ruining Your Fun. It's all about uh, overanalyzing, really, everything. And my goal with this is kind of to make people look at things from a perspective that they never would have considered otherwise. This is about Nightfield Republic 2, and it has a lot of spoilers. So if you're planning on playing through that, and you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this quite yet. Play through it first. Try to 100% it, because there's some stuff that only gets revealed through certain side quest lines. It is a game I would highly recommend. Uh, without further ado, here's the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Ruining Your Fun, a podcast where I do that. Uh, let, let's just jump right into it. Uh, for... First episode, we're going to just uh, talk Knights of the Old Republic 2. Because I'm a nerd, you're probably all nerds. It's great fun. So, first, we're going to look at each, like a broad overview of each faction. So, first is the exile and their party. So, the main character, the Jedi exile, is... Basically, they kind of cut themselves off from the Force after the last battle of the Mandalorian Wars, and then got kicked out of the Jedi Order. Uh, So, you can't really define this kind of character because their personality is defined by the individual player but very useful storytelling device used in Art Republic 2 of kind of using your dialogue choices as kind of a like kind of integrated exposition instead of it being like in the first game where you have amnesia you're giving the exposition I think it's a very good kind of contrast to the first game. And now, we're going to look at the party members. So, first you have Kreia. So, she's kind of a very powerful in the Force, former Jedi Master. And, actually, I believe more... ...relevantly, a former member of the Sith Triumvirate. So... ...she, along with Darth Nihilus and Darth Sion... ...essentially... ...oversaw the Sith rebuilding themselves... ...during the few years after the Jedi Civil War after Revan disappeared from the galaxy basically so she kind of acts as a narrator to tell your character what happened since the, since you, your character was exiled and interesting thing is that she's a character who's like explicitly kind of made to lie a lot while being that narrator. So, you have to kind of combine what she says with your own judgment. So I think that's a pretty good summary of her. Uh... Uh, I'm gonna look at the droids next. So, T3-M4. Uh, you've got uh basically very smart droid that, uh, is self-aware. I can't really describe it that much better. Uh... HK-47. Uh... Kind of a... The first game, HK-47 was basically just... The funny kind of evil. And just... All about violence. But... In this game, there's actually a bit more... kind of a, not sure how to say this, but I I guess kind of a more pseudo-philosophical element about, like, kind of, like, essentially from a standpoint that violence is good and useful, and kind of extrapolates from that one assumption So, there's a v- the very interesting conversation, chain later, where you speak with HK-47 about how to kill a Jedi. I'm not going to go into that now, but it. It's a point to bring up later. Let's go to the last droid. Uh go So he is So, in the very early stages of the game, there's a Republic droid that was sent to the Ithorians, which essentially had two programmed laws, which were, help restore the Republic and follow the laws of the Republic. These were in conflict. So... He went insane, and essentially kind of went only with the first law, which was to save the Republic. So to do that, he became a crime lord that put out a bounty on anyone who could get a Jedi to him alive. actually hear about this bounty very early on in the game. As soon as you're like looking at the logs from the miners on Paragus, And I think it is relevant to note what the specific project was. It was the... It was being sent to the Ithorians for... Essentially, management of the Talos restoration project, or TLS, I don't remember how. Yeah, uh... I'm gonna just say TLS. It's easier. Uh... Now, that's powered by fuel from Paragas. And your character ends up being responsible for the destruction of Pragus. Because in the process of escaping, you are intercepted by a large republic f- cruiser called the Harbinger, which is under the control of the Sith. So, essentially your only options are blow up the asteroids to try to destroy it. Or, get out, in which case it'll shoot out the asteroids. And destroy the asteroid field. So either way, it's going to be destroyed. So, let's talk about why this is important. So that fuel is absolutely essential to the restoration of the planet TLS. And that's essentially the project that all the other possible restoration projects depend on. Because if it fails, the Republic wouldn't see any reason to invest in any of the others. But if it succeeds, the Republic would begin to invest in the restoration of other planets. (sighs) So, Goto's job was essentially to ensure that the restoration project succeeded. And the way that happens is, basically, through manipulating already existing organized crime. I think Goto is actually one of the most interesting characters in the game for that reason. Kind of manipulation of organized crime... ...as a tool to restore the Republic. Or not... Not even restore it, just kind of, a ...strengthen it. By... ...kind of... ...I guess kind of a twisted definition of hiring, but... ...hiring a Jedi to make sure that the fuel gets where it needs to go, Dantooine gets solved one way or another, Nar Shaddai gets solved one way or another, and, uh, Onderon gets solved one way or another. <laughs> Now, uh, let's look at Dantooine and Onderon in this context. Actually, I don't think Nershadaw is part of his whole thing, but, uh, the other two are. So, Dantooine. (sighs) There are three factions here. Uh, there is... The settlers who are essentially trying to bring back like the kind of a uh, structure that was lost when Dantooine was bombed during the Jedi Civil War, and they are on the side of the Republic. You also have the mercenary is who are essentially just out for money, and actually their plan actually involves turning a Jedi into Goto. Because essentially what they want is just Influence and money, and control of the planet. You don't have any aspirations for anything higher than that. Now, there are also Scavengers, who essentially get permits from the Settler's Administrator, and then they're allowed to go into the ruins of the Jedi Enclave. And essentially that's another that's the other more legal way of making money. So in this context, Goto essentially has to support has to want to support the settlers. Because he's like no matter what, he is always in favour of a stronger republic. No matter what has to be done to do that. It just so happens that most of the choices are given. The light side choice tends to coincide with that. Then... (gasps) Uh, Next, you have the... uh... Quest line on Onderon. This one is actually very interesting because there is a very good case for both sides, like in the broader context of the game. So I'm going to give some background on this. A thousand years before the events of the game, uh. The Sith, essentially... Like, the... Kind of a... It was a Sith bloodline that ruled on, And, kind of... Honestly, I don't even think this part is relevant. Like, all that really matters is... Like there's kind of the republic side versus the populist side. So the Republic side is actually not even headed by some by a republic, it's by a monarchy that just happens to be part of the Galactic Republic. And it this is ruled by Queen Talia, who is working with the Jedi. One of the Lost Jedi Masters. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I think his name is Kavar. I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah. So. <sighs> Uh, K'Var is a member of the Jedi High Council before the Jedi were hunted down and essentially destroyed during the first Jedi Purge. What's relevant about this is that the Jedi and Republic are like deeply intertwined. So Queen Talia essentially had uh, Kavar as an advisor. For the purpose of kind of... Keeping up with... What was happening through the Force. So... The whole argument for their side is... That... Like, if you want to restore the Jedi... And strengthen the Republic... Uh, you kind of have to support the side that's on the side of the Republic because Onderon is a key planet. I honestly don't know why. But uh, they were. And I'm not going to get into like the strategic or resource importance of Onderon, because... I don't know. But, uh... It basically just... It's important because it's important. People on Tila, when they are talking about it... <sighs> uh... And GoTo considers it a key kind of I guess part of the Republic. Now let's let's talk about Vaklu's side. So Vauclu was actually working with the Sith which are bad because they're bad. Like they are evil in this game and the entire fight is against them no matter who you side with in any of the smaller conflicts. <gasps> So, the, uh, like, the Council of Lords, which I guess is kind of the, it's basically Onderonian legislator, So, they are on the side of Vaklu, who wants to secede from the Republic because, essentially, their argument is that they've received nothing, and they were drawn into the Mandalorian Wars and the Jedi Civil War for nothing, which is it is very compelling. And both both are valid options for very different reasons. So. There's a point where. You essentially choose a side. through how you ki- H- or how you uh god i'm bad at this but uh uh, the, what you do, like, who you work with, uh, and just kind of, a am bad at words. Not sure I'm doing a podcast, but I'm doing it. Too far in now. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, uh. at a certain point your character meets with Kavar. I think this is this is actually the most important of the uh like, subplots in the game. Out of all the planets, this is the most important one, lore-wise. So. Uh. Go to the cantina to meet with Ith Kavar, And... Then you're interrupted by Colonel Tobin, who is the second in command to General Voklo. (sighs) And depending on what you did, you'll either just outright be hostile, or... Once Kavar leaves, he will very specifically tell you that he's sending troops after you to make it look like you're on th- the side of Queen Talia. When in reality, he wants you on Vaklu's side. So, during this whole series of events, the Sith don't show themselves as being involved for a while right up until you've gotten right to the entrance of the royal palace. And there you see just actual Sith. Like red lightsabers, force lightning, all that kind of stuff. So. Queen Talia. Basically, each side has something good and something bad. Talia is letting the. Letting Onderon decay. Like, in service of the Republic. While. Uh, Voklu was working with Darth Nihilus. But then there's something good about each side, which is uh, strengthening the Republic versus obeying kind of what more, what kind of seems like Good amount of the people want. And kind of not letting the Republic leech off of Onderon. But from Goto's point of view, there's only one thing that matters, and that's strengthening the Republic. Here we go back to what Goto was going for. So, Telos was essentially like an example planet for other restoration projects. Uh, Onderon was a model for other separatist movements, and Dantooine was a model for recolonization. So you had to make sure everything worked. There is actually a very compelling reason to sub- side with them, like directly relating to Go To. He'll give you money because that's his deal he is a crime lord like a, one with a good goal but still a crime lord got money but as long as it is it ends up being in the interest of the republic Goto is actually the key to understanding the like the republic's side of the events in the game because he's the most like direct kind of Republic contact you have. Eventually, I might go into some other aspects of this, but right now, I gotta move on to something a bit more interesting than, like, the specifics of what a droid is doing with the Republican Y. The Mandalorians! So, Mandalore... He's, he's Candorous Ordo from the first game. He's essentially beginning to reunite the Mandalorian tribes, and he is against the Sith. And, like, for Revan's mission, whatever it is. So, in any case, he is against the current iteration of the Sith. So, let's go a bit deeper into the Mandalorians. So, I think the key to this is the Mandalorian Wars. Very, uh shocking. But let's actually take a just a deeper look at what the Mandalorian Wars were. So about two decades before the beginning of the first game, Mandalorians were starting to attack like some of the outer and mid-rim territories of the Republic. So, the Republic, their military wasn't really like, helping much because they couldn't. The Jedi did not want to get involved at all. They wanted to wait until the true threat happened, which it never really did until after the war. So, here's where we're going to bring in a few other characters. Because most of the party members have some connection to the Mandalorian Wars. Uh Kraya was Revan's master. At Rand. Uh, he was essentially a Jedi hunter. At least during the Jedi Civil War. Because he fought alongside Revan during the Mandalorian Wars. So there's. Like, his connection is fundamentally to the Dark Jedi. Uh So Revan is another relevant character to this because they led the Jedi war effort basically breaking off from the rest of the Jedi order with a lot of Jedi And fighting the Mandalorians. Because the Mandalorians were, like... Committing genocide. Nuking ancient cities. Like, not like nuking as in, they were really big bombs. Like, literal nuclear bombs. So, Revan was fighting against that. Uh, The Jedi Exile and Beodor have, I think, the most role to play in The Mandalorian Wars as it pertains to this story. So, the Jedi Exile was a commander during the war, and Dor was part of the tech core that essentially or engineering core. They essentially designed a super weapon that destroyed the planet Malachor. Like it essentially collapsed in on itself. So it was held together By the. So. The way. The way gravity works in Star Wars, there's a concept called mass shadows, which are essentially projected into hyperspace by gravitational fields. Rather by large objects, and I think the mass shadows. They're projected into hyperspace, but they also. I. Th- like they correspond directly to gravity in real space. So the weapon that was designed is the mass shadow generator. And when it was activated. Nearly everyone fighting on the planet died, and I think most of the people on the air also died. So there were a few Force users there. Darth Nihilus and Darth Scion were both... At the Battle of Malachor V. Darth Nihilus. Is essentially the antithesis to the Jedi Exile. Darth Nihilus. So the Jedi Exile cuts themselves off from the Force. It's like, completely subconsciously. ...as a protection method, because otherwise they would be overwhelmed by the amount of people who died. Darth Nihilus, on the other hand, became a black hole in the Force. or more like a Force vampire, kind of. Like, traveling two planets, and essentially... ...draining the entire planet of the Force. Darth Scion would have died there, but turned to the dark side at like at that moment and was held together by pain and anger. Uh, let's also take a look at what it did to the planet physically. So, when you see the planet in the game, it's cracked into a few pieces. And constant storms and the the terrain is just fundamentally broken like all the cliffs are jagged there are pits that for all intents and purposes are bottomless like even if physically they're not for the purpose of anyone who's actually there who could potentially fall into one they're bottomless Uh, God, I'm really not good at this. I'm gonna keep doing it anyway, but, uh, just keep that in mind. Probably do better with another person to bounce ideas off of. Uh, calling anyone who wants to be a guest or anything. contact me. Anyway. Mandalore was defeated here. Like the the Mandalore that what Mandalore is a title, not a person, but... So, the... Mandalore, at that time, was killed. And Revan took his mask and denied any Mandalorian the opportunity to become the next one. So they were scattered. They became mercenaries, for the most part. That included... Kanderous, who ended up being one of Revan's allies against Darth Malak. After what happened, after the events of the first game, before Revan left, they told Kanderous about where the mask was put. So, Canderous got the helmet, and became the next Mandalore. <sighs> so, during the game his goal is to unite the rest of the Mandalorians and kind of get their glory back since they're like the other of the two warrior civilizations the other is the Ichane, which i will probably revisit in a later episode because this one's already going a while so, let's, I guess, just look at where the Mandalorians are in this game. So, first, they're on an old Mandalorian camp on the moon of Duxon. Where they've essentially turned that into their base of operations, because it was like one. It was basically one of their last kind of refuges, like during the war. It was essentially, I believe, it was their staging point for their occupation of Onoron. And then there are two different groups that are just scattered. There's one group that I don't actually know what their goals were, but they were just kind of on Narshada to be there, I guess for reasons. And then there's the other group on Dantooine, who are mercenaries. Uh, so, Mandalore's goal is fundamentally to like, bring the Mandalorians back to being kind of what what Kanderas saw as what a Mandalorian is. Which is a warrior who's out for glory rather than money. So, we've seen two of the major factions here the Republic and the Mandalorians. For the purposes of this, the Jedi are essentially a non factor. There's three of them, I guess, four. No, five. I guess, because I forgot the XL. Technically, counts after getting. Because, like, on, on the light side path, your goal is to bring back the Jedi. So. Honestly, let's just go into the Jedi anyway. So. Their whole history was of failure. During the Mandalorian Wars, they had. Rather, perceived history was one of failure. Mandalorian Wars, the Jedi Council had done nothing while the galaxy was burning around them, and it was defectors from the Jedi that. ...finally did something. During the Jedi Civil War, it was seen as being started by a faction of Jedi. Because that's what their Hulk saw. They didn't really see all the religious conflict. They just looked at it from... What are all of the Jedi and former Jedi doing to the galaxy? The answer is, bad things. So, they hated the Jedi, my opinion, justifiably. It, like, I don't know whether, I can't say whether they were right or wrong, because obviously I'm not a character. But, whether or not it w- it was directed where it needed to be, it was justified. So, the first Jedi Purge. Here's an interesting subject. It was essentially all led by Darth Nihilus. Essentially, Jedi would gather in places, and then those planets would have basically all the life on it destroyed. That that was essentially just a long cycle. So, the Jedi decided to have an Kind of an emergency meeting on the planet qatar home of the miraluca so their plan was to gather and then draw out their enemy Now, Jedi Master Atrus leaked the location of the meeting. Like before this, actually, I don't know if there was any instance of this before that. But Jedi were being killed, and a lot of them were being killed. So there are about a hundred Jedi left. They went to the planet Qatar and Atris did not go. Uh, the reason this is important is because Atris was trying to draw out the enemy while keeping herself safe. Darth Nihilus got to Qatar before the meeting happened. Because the information had been leaked out. Now, we can... We can look at... Atreus' character. But the important thing... Is... Always... That the Jedi tend to be too proud... And... Too cautious to ever change things, and like they don't want to see the flaws in any of their ideas. Atris didn't want to. See how badly they could backfire. The the Jedi Council during the Mandalorian Wars didn't want to see what they could do to help because it went against some of their teachings. They. And this kept on continuing. Like, just throughout the history of Star Wars. Biggest example, actually mentioned by Luke himself in The Last Jedi. The rise of Darth Sidious. They failed. They were complacent. And they couldn't see what was happening. They didn't see the power grabs or any of that. That was essentially their history. So... The the Last Living Jedi, at first, they were willing to, like, be brought together by the Exile. But then, in that final meeting on Dantooine... That's when, that was essentially their final failure. It was the refusal to see another point of view from the Jedi exile, who knew the Sith more than any of them did. The Jedi Exile had actually been fighting them. Have three Jedi. One, just, I mean, just face it, an asshole. Master of Rook on Dantuane. You've got Zekkial, who is a coward, but a remorseful coward. And finally, you have Kavar, the most sympathetic of the remaining Jedi. He is on board with what the Exile wants to do. Uh, I guess the the real problem is that whenever they talk to each other, the worst idea wins out. So, let's actually look at the, that last meeting on Dantuane. so they actually do agree that some of their judgment was bad like and they they do explain and like they explain kind of why they did what they did but then They go ahead and try to permanently drain the force from the exile. So they put them in a stasis. Or, no, I don't remember exactly what happens, but, uh, in. In some form, the exile is knocked out. And then... Kreia comes in and lectures them for essentially having failed at every step and brought down others with them. And I think there's honestly a lot to look at as like the Jedi and the Republic as parallels of each other like they, they they're both kind of in decay because they've They've all been weakened. Something is working against them. They're... Like, they're on the brink of collapse. Just that the Jedi... Each of those things happens first. The Jedi... The Jedi were kind of on the brink of collapse during the Jedi Civil War, whereas the Republic was collapsing during the first Jedi Purge. So they were basically on the same trajectory. And I think this is a reflection of the amount of power the Jedi held within the Republic. And how kind of almost essential they were in galactic politics. And not even, not in a good or bad way, just they were a source of stability. But then when they became that unstable element, there was nothing else in the republic's system to cope with that and you end up with a weak republic it's unstable you have until as you have essentially corporate versus environmentalist interests and the corporate interests are beginning to win. They're not, they don't have the infrastructure to support their settlements in the Outer Rim. And they, they can't provide for their planets within the Republic, like on. so it kind of creates dis- dissatisfaction so they can't like the republic kind of isn't built to deal with a, that i uh, got those kinds of situations without the jedi because the jedi are kind of what backs mo- a lot of what they do like the their war efforts, a lot of their diplomacy is handled through Jedi, and just a lot of what's keeping them stable. So, like, they've essentially been relying on the Jedi because the Jedi have had so much control. So, the Republic really doesn't have much in the way of a robust system of power without the Jedi, who tend to have conflicts. So, I think another aspect of this is kind of the the Mandalorian Wars. That's really what everything in the game goes back to. It's kind of looking inwards, basically. It's not looking at the future, it's looking at what's already happened like the the true events of the game happen a decade before the game even started like every single planet that's visited is one that was key to the Mandalorian Wars Mandalorian Wars are also the source of like this collapse that the republic is in cuz their military was weakened there was growing dissatisfaction with both the uh, jedi and i think more importantly with the situation the republic was in people joined the Sith Army voluntarily during the Jedi Civil War. Because they didn't really see an alternative. So, because like, the Republic, like, they saw they saw the Republic, and the Jedi, who had... basically just failed them during the war. And they saw the Jedi that they had fought alongside. So, the ones that had actually... I'm probably overemphasizing the Republic's failure in all of this, because of how, like, the Jedi were a lot of what backed their systems. But, uh, like, it really is a problem of, like, they didn't have a means to cope without Jedi. So, looking at... ...a powerless institution. And... ...what came in to replace it was... ...primarily... ...the exchange and mercenaries. And... ...in some cases... Like the exchange was extremely powerful. Like they even in the first game, they were relatively important, though not even close to as important as they are in this game, where right? they're they are the Narshada subplot. uh like you have the four different kind of replacements for all of their all of their power structures on tilos you have Zerka corporation with hired mercenaries like they And they work with the Exchange. Most of these other structures are still working with the Exchange because they're very powerful and are... basically filling... Like, they're very opportunistic, which means they worked quickly to fill in the void that the Jedi had left. I think what's more important about this is, I think, on Dantooine and Onderon, the mercenaries and the separatist movement. It could start making real life comparisons, but I won't because we're not talking about real life. We're talking about video games. So General Vauclough stepped in while people were dissatisfied with the republic and what it had been doing with onderon so like the the government that was backed by the republic was a monarchy a somewhat well liked monarchy, but still a monarchy. It's almost kind of antithetical to the whole idea of a galactic republic. So, what you had happening was bribery. Corruption. And. Rising tensions. Within the planet. Or within the one city on the planet. Actually I actually just remembered why it was a porn. It was because the. uh, Animals on it were being used animals and plants on the planet were being used to restore the ecosystems on Telos, which is where all of this goes back to. Like, most... Almost everything in the game can be traced back to either Telos or to the Exchange, Or both, in some cases. I think just the... Something to think about here is... Like, the... Like, Vauclou... Was seen as someone who knew power, and... Knew what he was doing. Whereas. Talia. Was kind of seen as a bit too. Like. Ineffective. This is just from that one conversation on Onderon. Where like the argument in favor of Talia was that she told the truth. The argument in favor of Vaklu is that he got things done, even if he sometimes lied. So the, like, the Republic was essentially a failed state, and again, the only reason it managed to survive was a Jedi. Like, a Jedi solved the situation on Telos one way or the other. Solved the situation on Dantooine one way or the other. Solved the situation on ondron one way or another. And helped restore the Jedi. And that's really all it comes down to, is, like, the power... ...differential between the Senate and the Jedi. Like, that really was the power struggle... ...that was going on outside of the Exile's past. I don't think there's really much else to... I could say a lot more about this subject... At some point, maybe talk, go more in depth on Narshida and Telos. Do some actual research. Just overall, like, be better prepared for the next, for the follow up. But I, I think that that should do it for this week. Uh So I'm going to just plug a few things here. First, my Patreon. Uh that's a thing. Second, uh if you want to be a guest on here, then just send me a message. And Finally, uh, I don't know if I have a third thing. (laughs) Really good at this. So yeah, that's it for this week. Bye.